energy. How does anybody live and drive in Boston every single day? This guy stopped in the middle of the road with his hazard lights on. This guy won't yield. That guy won't let you go. That guy passes in front of you. That guy goes three lanes of traffic all in one shot. How does anybody do this? The passion. Look, if the Red Sox aren't going to play Yoshida Endeavors as they're about to get swept, then we might as well just give up and go home. The opinions on all your favorite teams. I'm glad that Mac Jones looks better. That's really important. He needs to look better. But if it were a video game, he'd still have an overall rating of 76, and that ain't cutting it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We go up until 610 today, then it's Red Sox baseball, Sox taking on the Royals. Looking to, right now, have the series advantage against Kansas City after splitting the first two yesterday was an ugly game in a lot of different ways. Trevor Story returned 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. We'll talk about all of it with Tom Karen of Nesson. TC will be with us here in about 15 minutes. I'm here. Danny McKibbergan is here on the other side of the glass. Danny, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Brady? I'm well as well. I'm fired up for our talk with TC here in 15 minutes. I'm also fired up for some Patriots preseason football tomorrow. So that's at 7 o'clock tomorrow against the Houston Texans. You can get in, by the way, on the text line 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. Before we get to TC, I do want to start with the Patriots, Danny, so let's fire it up. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. So, Danny, the Patriots open up preseason play tomorrow. They're doing so against the Houston Texans. We know this. One of the things I'm most excited to see is the play of Patriots wide receiver Demario Douglas. This is a guy we've heard about, a guy we've started to talk about sixth round draft pick out of Liberty rookie wide receiver kind of this year's training camp darling right a couple years ago it was Austin Carr he ended up not making the team ended up shipped to New Orleans after getting cut a few years after that it was Jacoby Myers who didn't really play much in Tom Brady's last year 2019 and then though 2020 with Cam he started to be a big deal and then 2021 2022 he was awesome so the training camp darling Sometimes doesn't make the team, and sometimes becomes an integral part of the roster. We have no idea which way this is going to go tomorrow night for Demario Douglas, but I'm really excited to watch him play. And, Danny, one of my favorite phrases, you know this by now, one of my favorite phrases is two things can be true at the same time. Okay, Everybody wants this business to just be one or the other. Everybody wants this business to be, Brady, take a side, come down strong on this, and never relent on your position. Two things can be true and often are true at the same time. On one hand, I'm incredibly excited for DeMario Douglas, and I'm incredibly excited to watch DeMario Douglas. Okay, We, we not just me, we love the underdog. Okay, Sixth-round draft pick out of Liberty, you are the underdog. You're, he's 5'8". He's 5'8", undersized. He's from a non-football power, not even from an FCS school. I don't believe that Liberty is even in the FCS, so or an FBS school, I should say. Um, we love the underdog. We love the little guy. And in this case, literally, that's true. Five foot eight. He is the little guy. We love 
those stories. And if he can come here and make an impact that the Patriots have a late-round draft hit, we're going to be singing Bill Belichick's praises on that. So I'm thrilled for Demario Douglas, and I really want to watch him play tomorrow. And if he turns into Jacoby Myers or Victor Cruz, undrafted, late-round guy that makes an impact, it's just gravy on top for the Patriots. You do not expect six-round draft picks to hit. If you do get lucky and the guy is really good, you've gotten just that lucky. So that's true. That's in one bucket. I'm excited for Demario Douglas tomorrow night. Danny, you know what else is true, though? It's also true that the fact that we're sitting here saying Demario Douglas is one of the stories of training camp, that is a problem for the New England Patriots. If we are sitting here talking about a sixth-round draft pick being the story in our wide receiver room and being one of the stories over the rest of the roster, that is not a good thing as we head into the regular season subsequently. Okay? I'm happy for Douglas. I want him to be good. He might be a home run for the Patriots late in the draft, and that's a huge benefit. If he can become the next Julian Edelman, the next Jacoby Myers, the next Victor Cruz, that's great. But the fact that he is the storyline beyond Mac Jones and Bill Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, beyond that, one notch below that, is Demario Douglas, that is a problem. And this points back to something I said earlier this offseason. The Patriots needed DeAndre Hopkins. I don't want to beat a dead horse. He's in Tennessee. I don't want to stay on this for too long. But it's the truth. If a sixth-round draft pick can turn heads this much and has everybody this excited, then you've done something wrong in how you've constructed your wide receiver room. That's just a fact. Danny, I know you're not a huge baseball guy. Have you ever seen the movie Little Big League. It's a movie that came out when I was a kid. It's one of my favorite movies when it comes to kids' sports movies. It's where the little kid manages the twins. Have you ever seen this movie? Not seen that one. Okay. Well, it's it's, it's it came out like the same time as The Sandlot and Rookie of the Year, and Little Big League is kind of the, the, the forgotten cousin to those two movies, but it's phenomenal. Little kid manages the twins. He's 12 years old, he manages the twins. And he's got a favorite player who plays for the twins who's an older player, who isn't playing that well, and he eventually has to cut this guy. He's his favorite player. He's got to cut him. And he brings him into the office, and the the pitching coach is there. It's kind of his mentor, and he's saying to him, you know, look, before this kid comes, before the guy comes in, he goes, I really don't want to cut. I think Jerry was his name. I really don't want to cut Jerry. And he goes, look, Jerry's swinging it well. Jerry got a hit today. And he goes, kid, isn't it a problem when you get this excited about a seeing-eye single? Like, that's all that Jerry has in the tank is the ability to hit a bouncing single up the middle. That's kind of where we're at with the Patriots wide receiver room right now. Isn't it a bad thing when the thing that gets us most excited, the thing we're pinning our hopes on, is a six-round, 5-8 draft pick out of, out of Liberty? The Patriots needed DeAndre Hopkins. They needed a sure thing, and they don't have it. Again, Devontae Parker I like as a number two. Juju Smith-Schuster I'm fine with as a number two. Kendrick Bourne I like in general, but he's a clear number two or three. Tyquan Thornton, I have no idea what he is. And now there's Douglas. You have a bunch of question marks with injury, with productivity, with reputation, with all of it. And now tomorrow when we go into, into preseason, 
we're talking about a six-round draft pick being being the story. That is a problem. Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald, he said as much yesterday, agreeing with me. I think he made these comments on WEEI in Boston. So they've gotten a little bit better. But when the biggest story out of camp is a six-round rookie named Pop Douglas, who stands at five foot eight and 190 pounds soaking wet, that's bad news for the rest of the group. Douglas has had a really good camp, but Juju Smith-Schuster should look more like a number one. And he's honestly kind of disappeared the last few days, as has Bourne. Okay, that that's not what I want to hear. Now, I don't know how these guys are going to play in the preseason. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Juju doesn't play tomorrow. I would imagine Bourne plays a little bit, but I don't think Parker's going to play. So I don't know if we're really going to get a chance to see a lot of these guys in actual preseason games here. Maybe we'll see more for joint practices as we come down the road. I know the Patriots are practicing with Tennessee before the Week 3 game. But this is this just paints the picture of what we said all along. The Patriots are thin at wideout. They needed help at wideout. They didn't address it. Now, there's room for DeMario Douglas probably, right? There's room for five wide receivers, I would think. Bar- uh, Parker, Bourne, Juju, Douglas, and Thornton, potentially, right? They could potentially keep five guys there. So there's room for all of them. But the fact that Douglas is this exciting to us, not a great reflection on what the Patriots did this offseason. And speaking of Tyquan Thornton, Peter and Williston says, I want to see what Tyquan Thornton can do. We all got to see what Tyquan Thornton can do because Mike Cadlick of WEEI in Boston put this out there the other day. Yeah, it was the same uh, same thing as yesterday, same grouping. Uh, it was Juju. Parker, Bourne, uh, Demario Douglas, and Tyquan Thornton was again with, with that second unit. So um, it feels like a little bit of a, a squeeze-out type thing. I don't know if I want to go that far yet, but he's definitely competing uh, with Demario Douglas for that fourth spot, and Douglas clearly has the upper hand. That is also a horrible reflection on the New England Patriots because Tyquan Thornton's a guy they drafted in the second round last year. He cannot be, be – he cannot – be be beating out he cannot be beaten out he cannot keep being beaten out. i'm getting all tripped up there on this one he cannot be beat out by a six-round rookie who's five foot eight he just can't second round draft pick out of baylor you chose him for a reason in that spot he better be able to contribute if he can't even crack your top four in year two that's a huge problem i look at second round draft picks in the nfl for the last several years at wide receiver and i think about uh, curtis samuel and i think about uh, Terry McLaurin, and I think about uh, D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown. These guys were second-round draft picks. Okay, They were se- second-round draft picks that are huge impact players for their teams. That's Curtis Samuel, Devo Samuel. Okay, these guys are second-round draft picks that are huge impacts on their roster. And Tyquan Thornton maybe can't even make the team or can't be above the fifth spot on the roster at wideout on the depth chart. That's a problem, too. Tyquan Thornton needs to be good, and he needs to be useful. And we do need to see it starting tomorrow in preseason. He's already flimsy body type-wise, right? He's got to stay healthy. That's going to be hard enough. He's got to be productive. They they took him in the second round. They've got to get something from him. The Patriots, they flopped with Nikhil Harry. They can't afford to flop again here with Tyquan Thornton. And then put even more on Demario Douglas's plate, potentially. Joe in Richmond says... I'd rather they try to go sign T.Y. Hilton or Marvin Jones than keep Pop Douglas. Um, I wouldn't go that far. No, I would not go that far. To be my fourth or fifth wide receiver, 
I'm okay with Pop Douglas. It just needs to be him at the fifth spot, and Tyquan Thornton has to go and earn the fourth spot. Okay, second-round draft picks have to be able to beat out uh, guys out of Liberty. It's just the way it is. Okay, I don't need him to turn into a Hall of Famer, but I need him to not be declared almost unplayable and unrosterable by year two because that would be a, another huge blight on Bill Belichick's draft prowess. We've talked a lot in the last couple of years about how much better the Patriots have drafted and they've gotten guys like Uche and Barmore and Duggar, and we like this year's class. And there's all this talk about Keon White and Marte Mapu, okay, Cole Strait. Like, there's guys that can play out of the last couple of years of Patriots drafts. If you can't hit on yet another wide receiver and another high-up wide receiver, the only one you've taken, along with Harry, in the last three or four years, that signifies a major problem. It's a passing league. It's a wide-out league. And if you can't find any in the draft high up, you, you've you've done something drastically wrong. Thornton says, or uh, excuse me, Peter says, Thornton better not be like John Ross, who was a giant bust. He was taken in the second round. He was uh, the ninth overall pick by the Bengals a bunch of years ago. I mean, that's just a speedster who flopped. I mean, John Ross had some injuries as well. Tech says, it's crazy how often the Pats draft high picks at wide receiver. They haven't done much. Uh, in the NFL, yeah, Harry. So just as I've been here, right, Harry and uh, and now Thornton stand out. Thornton's still got some time to change the narrative, but he's got to start doing it tomorrow. We will see what happens. Again, sometimes the Camp Darling turns into Jacoby Myers, and sometimes the Camp Darling turns into Christian Wilkerson, who ends up getting cut. We'll see what happens. But, again, tomorrow at 7, Patriots and Texans. Right? I, you know, remember last night on the news, Danny, we talked about this story with the Orioles broadcaster, Kevin Brown. You remember that? Yeah. So Kevin Brown, the Orioles broadcaster, who's been on this show before, was suspended by the team for being supposedly critical of the team's past record. I'm glad you've got TC queued up here uh, now because TC is with us on the phone line. Tom Caron, our Red Sox insider, Ed Nesson, is on the phone line, Danny informs me. You know, I want to ask him about this to start off. TC, I am glad that you are here. Uh, last week we spoke to you on a Friday. We didn't have to wait as long until this time. Hopefully you don't say anything uh, to get suspended here from the Orioles. There you go. I didn't miss you nearly as much as I normally miss you by now. That's certainly good. TC, I hope you uh, don't uh, spend too much time today criticizing the Baltimore Orioles. I wouldn't want you to be suspended. What a crazy story that is, isn't it? I mean, this is a team having the breakthrough year that everyone's been waiting for. It's nothing but good news for the Baltimore Orioles, and they go and create a firestorm. Fans chanting free Kevin Brown last night. It was fantastic. Shame on them, Uh, and I can't wait to hear how he handles his return because uh, they have absolutely created a firestorm, and he is, is the good guy in all of this, and they are the villain. He said nothing. Nothing. I mean, there was not even any editorial. There was no personal comment. He just read off stats and facts. What? Now you can't. If they lose a game, are you not supposed to mention that they lost? I mean, it's crazy. Talk to me a little bit, because I am curious about kind of uh, how all of this comes about. I was listening to everybody, right? Obi and Uke talked about it in, on Monday's game. I was listening to Michael Kay on the Yankee side of things, or on his radio show, rather. And he's like, well, hey, this is a pre-planned graphic, so people have come up with this idea. They've built this graphic, and he has said it. So basically, everybody needs to be suspended because everybody has a hand in this. My question is, as someone who does what, you know, you do, who's kind of coming up with these ideas? Is the broadcaster saying, I want to talk about this, go find me it, or is everybody kind of coming together? Yeah, it can go either way, but everybody's got to come together in the end. I mean, we have, you know, we, we talk in the morning. We're already talking about tonight's show. Uh, last night is a great example, you know, in the, the ninth inning, the show was kind of put together 
and Papelbon and I were talking, and so I called our producers and said, hey, you know, let's let's throw together a graphic showing the bullpen over the nine, last nine, ten games compared to what they were prior to it. Uh, because it feels, I didn't have the numbers in front of me, I said it feels like the bullpen's finally paying the price for how much usage they've had. And so then they create a graphic, which is exactly right. Last 10 games, the ERA 7-something, it had been 2.90 in the 20 games prior to that. So now that's a graphic that is going to support what we're talking about. So sometimes it comes from us because we have the idea for what it is we want to talk about. We want some support. Sometimes they will present the graphic to us and say, hey, look at this. And that'll lead us uh, to, to what we're going to talk about. I don't know in this case which was which. But the, the crazy thing about it, it all emanated from, from a note in the Orioles game notes. Now, yes. those are created by Orioles public relations and are handed out to, to the broadcasters and, and writers. And, and that worries me because, you know, there were times, and, and I've criticized the Red Sox for it, I've criticized other teams for it, is, you know, when a team's going bad, you've got to put the bad notes in your game notes. And some teams don't. Some teams, it's all, you know, you would have no idea that a team has lost eight of their last 10. You know, it's all the, all the, because you can always twist the stats to, to look better or worse, right? So I hope this doesn't have any kind of chilling effect on teams' PR departments on what they put in the game notes, because that would be trouble. Tom Karen, Red Sox insider over in Nesson with us here on the Brady Varka Show. TC, I promise I will get to the Red Sox in a second, but I have one other question. Something we were talking about yesterday was a report out of Patriots camp. And just as someone who's been in clubhouses and been around teams, I wanted your thought on this. There was a report that came out that Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones basically aren't friends. And Mac is kind of out here degrading is the wrong word. Like, he won't say Zappi's name. He uh, won't acknowledge Zappi's presence, really. Just talk to me a little bit about clubhouse and team dynamics. How often is it that guys are more rivals than we're led to believe? Well, I, you know, I do – one thing I've learned covering a lot of different teams in a lot of different sports is that uh, competition is good. These guys are used to competition. Uh, you know, I've covered a lot of goalie controversies where two goalie, you know, the Red Sox have – I mean, the Bruins have. Two goalies would probably be starters on just about anybody anybody's team right now. Uh, and, and those are usually handled pretty well. It, it, the only time it really gets like that, I think, is when there's just a personality conflict. It's not about the competition because these guys have always been competitors. They have always fought for their playing time. You know, even, even if they're the best of the best, there's always been challengers to their time, right? Um, you know, in the Red Sox clubhouse, Alex Cora tells story all the time about Dustin Pedroia's rookie year, how bad he was in April, and Cora was hitting like 400. Uh, but it was Cora who really pulled Pedroia aside and, and taught him how to handle failure and taught him how to get out of a slump and taught him, you know, to believe in himself even when things are down. And, and, and if, you know, if it really was a case where guys were worried about competitors to their playing time, I don't think you'd see that as much. So the only time it gets like that, and I was listening to uh, Steve Young was talking on something the other day and, and, and talking about, you know, when he was coming up with the 49ers, had to be a backup for so long. Uh, and, and they never really spoke to each other at all, which is crazy. Not that they yeah. didn't like each other, but they both knew what the other guy was all about. And, and, you know, one guy's the starter. He's doing his job. The other guy wants to be the starter. He's doing his job. And it's probably best to stay out of each other's way. Uh, it's interesting because things like that, when there is genuine distrust and dislike, and it does happen from time to time, that can absolutely rip up a clubhouse or a locker room. 
So I buried the Red Sox on Monday, right? Jared Caravas put out on Twitter, death certificate Sunday afternoon, 426. I ran with that on Monday. Then yesterday I walked it back a little bit after the Pablo Reyes Grand Slam, and I said there's one of two ways this goes from now on. Trevor Story comes up and hits 094 for the next three weeks and really struggles and the team is in the tank. Or Trevor Story comes up and hits 394 with seven homers in his first 12 games and the team is carried into some serious momentum. Certainly looked like the former yesterday, TC. At the plate, it was a rough debut for Story. Yeah, 0 for 4, three strikeouts. And and this is part of the reason I, I don't think he wanted to to rush back any sooner than than he had to. I think he, he knew he was working on his timing and it's not going to get easier at the major league level. Uh, it, listen, and I, you know, one, one game is one game. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, but I, I do think that he needs to DH a little bit. I know they're talking every other day at shortstop. He's got to get his timing back at the plate. He's got to get going, uh, offensively. Uh, and, and not playing is not going to get that done. So, uh, I, I hope he's in there as DH tonight or at least the, the tomorrow as a, as a shortstop, maybe the night after that, but he needs more at bats. I, I'm more concerned with what they do. Last night felt flat, you know, after the wild comeback and the, uh, giving up the two runs as Kansas City came back Monday and you had the walk-off grand slam. You're like, all right, that's a spark. That's that's something that gets a team going. But I, I, you go out last night in a game that you kind of need to win because you got to build a little confidence and a little momentum again before that death certificate is pinned up on the wall. And, you know, I mean, you're throwing out uh, – Brennan Bernardino has been really good for this team this year. I get it. Uh, and And, you know – uh, the other guy who came in after, whose name I'm blanking right now. Nielsen Lamette. Yeah, Lamette, thank you. Uh, who was fourth in the Cy Young Award in 2020. I get it, okay? But his ERA's double digit since then. And, and you know, you, you're throwing out there guys who've been released by, by Cincinnati and Colorado. And, you know, you're just really at the point now where the bullpen is sagging. I love that Nick Pavetta is starting tonight. Let's get, you know, it's going to be the first time I think I posted it last night. I think it's five and a half weeks since they've had a five man rotation of starting pitchers. And if you're calling Pavetta starting pitcher, you're now back there because sales going to go Friday and you've actually got five guys starting and you can start to build your bullpen to come in in relief. And maybe you'll actually get a long start here and there. Uh, but it's frustrating to watch this right now. I, this is a 10 game stretch against bad teams. And then you've got a tough schedule over the final five and a half, six weeks of the season. You got to win series. You got to win three out of four against Kansas City. You got to win two out of three against Detroit and Washington. If you do all that, then maybe Sale is stretched out. Maybe Story's got his timing back. Maybe Hulk and Whitlock are back here. And you might actually be able to pull off a run at the end that can at least keep you in contention and not have six weeks of meaningless baseball. But if you don't, if you lose these games to Kansas City or this weekend of Detroit, it's, you're done. You, you know, you're done before the, the, the Patriots begin their preseason. And uh, we've had too much of that in recent years to, uh, to stomach another six weeks of meaningless baseball. DC, let me ask you another question about Story. Why does he have to hit third, though, in this time, right? Like, it's, these are important games. He needs the reps. Couldn't he hit six, take some of the pressure off, and maybe see some more fastballs? I mean, is there that compromise in there? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little of that. I think that, you know, the, the, the really, and the thing that you realize now is how badly this team needs Justin Turner, how yeah. important he was to this team. He's dead day with the heel. I don't think he's playing tonight. I don't think he's playing tomorrow. And, and, you know, I think the confluence of Story's return with Turner out made it easy to slide him up there. 
right? I, my guess is if Turner was in the lineup last night, you would have seen exactly that. Story batting 6-7, uh, you know, taking the pressure off a little bit, easing him up a little bit. Uh, but, man, that, that Turner absence is a big deal, you know, because Jonathan Pavlon said it last night. He said even when we had bad seasons, you know, we were coming at you with Ortiz and Manny and, and, and Pedroia, the, you know, and, and guys that put a little fear into the pitching staff. You know, Devers hasn't been himself without support around him, but I, I got thinking on the way home last night, you know who's been putting that fear in? Justin Turner. You know, Turner's the guy, what was he, before the injury, he led the American League in RBI uh, over the last couple of months. He was the guy who, if there's a guy in second and third, he was getting him in. Uh, and, and, man, they're just not the same lineup without him. TC, are my Mariners going to catch the Blue Jays since the Blue Jays don't ever want to lose? They did lose last night, I know, but the Mariners are two back right now. Are the M's, do the M's got a chance to catch them? I don't know. I, I still, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm still in shock from watching what the Blue Jays did at Fenway over the weekend. So yeah. I, the, the Blue Jays made a believer out of me. Uh, I, you know, that lineup had been really quiet for a long time and all of a sudden woke up over the weekend, even though they got shut out last night, that one nothing loss. Uh, they're going to get Bo Bichette back. Uh, they've got some starting pitching. Uh, if Manoa pitches like he did the other day, uh, this is a legitimate rotation again. Uh, I, I think the Blue Jays are good. I, I, and, you know, and the Astros, uh, what a comeback last night, down 5 nothing to Baltimore. They come back and win that game 7-6 to six as the crowd chants for Kevin Brown. <laughs> uh, you know, you do wonder, back, I mean, I, I'm bringing full circle back to what you're talking about at the beginning. I, in other words, I'm doing anything I can to not talk about the Mariners. Yeah. Uh, huh? Because, I mean, who cares? Uh, except for you. The, yeah, uh, but, but I do wonder if this Kevin Brown thing can become something that derails the team. You know, I, I, I do believe in, in, in mojo and, and I know baseball is, is a game not, you know, played with momentum or any of that stuff. But I, I do believe that you create, you know, it's kind of like when the Bruins uh, had the whole thing this winter, you know, it yeah. just came out of nowhere. They overcame that. Can the, can the Orioles overcome it? We'll see. TC, much appreciated. Look forward to watching you on the Nesson broadcast tonight, and uh, we'll catch up next week. All right. Hope I didn't say anything that gets me suspended. We'll, uh, Not we'll for the Brady Farkas show, at least. You're welcome right, back right. here next week. I appreciate week. that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, you're very welcome. We appreciate it as well. Yes, TC will not have to serve a suspension here from the Brady Farkas show. Texter says, it's TC time. It's learning time. Hopefully you learned something. TC is the man. I was I was not – I. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I was not thinking this at the time yesterday when we gave you the lineups. After the fact, I thought to myself, could they have found a different spot for Story in the lineup? And I'll be honest with you, he might be in a different spot tonight. I don't know that. I have not looked at the lineup yet. I'm going to look at it when I give it to you here at about 6.05 in about 10 minutes. So I, I, I have not looked yet, but... I thought to myself after the game yesterday, maybe Story could have found a spot different in the lineup. To come in and hit third in a major league lineup in a playoff chase, in theory a playoff chase, that's a tough ask for a guy who has not seen live major league pitching in 10, 11 months. It's a tough ask. I mean, could they have played Duran and, you know, had, you know, some version of Duran and Yoshida and... Devers and Duvall and all these guys be ahead of him? Yeah, they probably could have. You put him down at six, you let him hit behind some guys, you let him get some fastballs. That could have been the better play. 
That could have been the better play. Story didn't look, I didn't, I wouldn't say he looked lost last night, but he looked like a guy who hadn't played in 11 months at the major league level. I mean, Singer is not a great pitcher this year, right? ERA over five coming into yesterday, but he does have very good stuff. He was a guy who was first round draft pick just a couple of years ago, he was pitching in the College World Series at the University of Florida. So, I mean, the, the at bat I remember specifically is Story's second at bat where he's just kind of waving at sliders on the outside corner. You can tell. His timing is a little bit off for sure. Text says, Brady's listeners peripherally don't care or care about his Mariners and Seahawks. TC needs to be easy. TC does like to take shots at my teams. I'll say that. Buster is much more friendly about my teams. Buster will come on and say, oh, Brady, your Mariners are doing this. Or, hey, your, your Mariners might do that. And Buster will throw in my Mariners without me having to ask. TC likes to take some shots. Like, TC is like a bitter Boston fan where if his team's not doing well, no one else can have nice things as well. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I believe in good fan karma. TC wants to keep sending me negative vibes. They'll eventually find him as well. I try not to throw shade, though, on other people's teams. So... Uh, the TC interview will be available shortly on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. We'll get the CBS News update. We'll come back. We'll give you the Red Sox lineup. Sox taking on the Royals game three of this series against Kansas City. TC says you got to win this series, then you got to win against Detroit, then you got to win against Washington, see if they can do it and pick up a uh, series-assured victory tonight, or at least I can take them back at least a series split tonight. Red Sox lineups coming up next against the Royals here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com. We're going to hear from Freddie Coleman tomorrow on the Brady Farkas Show. I don't know how it's going to work out yet, right? We have Buster. We have Freddie. One of them is going to be live at 545. One of them is going to end up being taped in advance. I'm looking for some confirmation on which one is which. So you're going to hear from either from both of them no matter what, but one will be live, and I know Freddie is certainly going to be talking with us tomorrow. We usually talk with Freddie on a Wednesday, but because we have Patriots football tomorrow, I thought, hey, let's push it back a day, and let's talk to Freddie on a Thursday. Danny, I have two important questions for you. They're not one-word answer questions, but they're, they don't require a great deal of thought, kind of first reaction here. Um, one, what do you prefer, South Carolina or Florida? I'll go Florida. Okay, and how big a deal is Thanksgiving in the McKivigan household? I would say moderately. We, we celebrate it like everybody else. Okay. Is it like you're expected to be at Thanksgiving? Everyone's going to be upset if you're not. The family's going to disown you if you're not there. What? It, What's the it, level of... It's not a massive gathering every year. Let's just say that. Okay. So it sounds like Thanksgiving is something you might be able to get out of. Theoretically. So what do you think about maybe taking the Brady Farkas show on the road over Thanksgiving? You, me, broadcasting live, Women's uh, Golf Coast Showcase, UVM Women. What do you think? I was going to give you a choice. Maybe we try to go to Charleston for the Myrtle Beach Invitational, uh, or Myrtle Beach for the Myrtle Beach Invitational, UVM and College of Charleston on the men's side. But you've chosen Florida and Thanksgiving. So what do you think? Maybe I talk to the higher-ups, see if we can get on the road. little appearance fee? You know, I don't think we're going to get a fee to be there. We're lucky if they'll pay for our travel, though. How about that? Yeah, okay. I'm in. You're you're in a little tighter with the bosses than me, I think. You have a good relationship. I, I, I do, that. too, but, uh, you know, we, we both do. But you're, 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 you're newer in your position, so therefore you've had less time on the job to irritate them. So I, I like to stay under the radar a little bit. So I'll let you go ask for favors. Okay. I'm in. What do you think about that? You, me. Thanksgiving week, 
Women's Tournament, Gulf Coast Showcase, UVM, Caitlin Clark, North Carolina, you and me at Thanksgiving. That sounds, I don't know if we can find good turkey or not down there in Florida, but, um, you know, we'll have our own Thanksgiving if we can get there. But do we actually have to work? Well, we'd have to do the show. Well, i got to see when the show is, right? We're not going to have a show on Thanksgiving. And then Friday is the uh, Prime Link Tournament. So that's Norwich, Middlebury, Plattsburgh, et cetera. We always broadcast that. So i got to see exactly when the games are and exactly when Thanksgiving happens. But maybe we make it a whole week thing and we guarantee ourselves the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shows. Okay. All right, I'm in. See if we can, uh, again, you make that happen. See if you can make that happen. 802 585 3026, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury. Text line, as one of my old co-hosts, Arnie Spanier, would say, he'd say, let's just take the listeners with us. What if we rented a bus and went down to Florida and stayed for a week? And I'm always like, Arnie, who's going to pay the thousands of dollars to accommodate 48 listeners that want to come down? And he's like, who cares? Not my money. Well, you know, not my money. Let's see if we can bring the listeners with us to Florida as well. Danny, Red Sox music, please. Man, I get so hyped when I hear that music. I get so hyped when I hear that music. Royals, 37 and 78. They're in fifth place in the AL Central. They have the second worst record in baseball. They send Jordan Lyles to the mound. He's three and 12. The Red Sox send Nick Pavetta to the bump. He's seven and six. Sox are 58 and 55. Michael Garcia is the designated hitter for Kansas City. He leads off at 278. Bobby Witt Jr. is the shortstop. He's at 268 with 20 homers, 68 RBIs, and 34 steals. Nick Massey's he's is at uh, second. Salvador Perez is at first today. MJ Melendez is the left fielder. He bats fifth. Hitting sixth is the catcher. That is Freddie uh, Fermin. Drew Waters, who homered yesterday, is in right. Matt Duffy is at third. And Kyle Isbell is the center fielder. He bats ninth. For the Sox, Jared Duran leads off at center. Masataki Yoshida hits second today in left. Trevor Story is in the lineup. He's at DH. He is hitting third again. Okay. Rafael Devers is in the cleanup spot at third. Tristan Casas is at first. Alex Verdugo in right. Luis Arias is at second. Reese McGuire, the catcher. And Pablo Reyes is the shortstop. He bats ninth. Now you're seeing, as TC said, without Justin Turner here, kind of the impact of Turner not being here. If Turner were here, people could push down a little bit. And maybe you wouldn't have to see Story in the three spot, but he is there again tonight. That game gets going here in about one hour. Red Sox pregame show is coming up next. Go download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. For Danny, I'm Brady. See you tomorrow.